0: Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, another post-game edition, another reflection on a Nittany Lions loss as Penn State for the first time in school history. to begin its season, this coming by virtue of a 41-21 defeat in Beaver Stadium to Iowa. Yet again, a double-digit deficit at halftime, Uh, an early hole for this program, and barely, for a a blip on the screen here, held a lead for the first time since week one, Uh, and that was short-lived, and ultimately Iowa winning by 20 points. We've got a lot to get into uh, once again here. I'm fresh back to my recording studio From that house of horrors that Beaver Stadium has become for Penn State, three home games this year, uh, three runaway Big Ten victories for the visiting opponent, Ohio State, Maryland, Iowa, uh, each of these games, not really in question, not really hanging in the balance late late along the way, which speaks volumes about where Penn State is right now. And uh, we spoke with James Franklin after the game, a few players and Franklin is a guy who woke up 28 days ago as the head coach of the eighth ranked team in the nation. Uh, He'll go to bed tonight if he can find some sleep as the first Nittany Lions leader to ever begin winless through five games Sean, we're running out of adjectives to apply to this 2020 season. It's been a nightmare scenario. That got worse as we learned Pat Fryermuth has been lost for the season. Add him to a list that already features Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Micah Parsons opting out back in August. Uh, Tariq Castro-Field's not available tonight. Second straight game, we didn't see the starting cornerback. And Player losses are one thing, but the the trends that just continue to surface – lead me to state that this is a bad football team, and I know that sounds simple, and people have said, yeah, where have you been? Welcome to the, the train of thought we've all been carrying. It took me a while to get here, Sean, because I was of the mindset that this could be a pretty darn good football team, maybe a team that knocks on the door for a college football playoff, and I still, still thought that maybe even after the Indiana loss, because of the way that played out, I thought they played well enough to win and shot themselves in the foot, but four games later, it's becoming increasingly apparent that they are near the bottom of the rung in the Big Ten. It's just a, a lot of ugliness that is unavoidable at, at this point and, and unexplainable on James Franklin's part.
2: Yeah, it's been it's been tough to put a finger on me. I mean, you won 11 games last year, and then all of a sudden you turn around and there's this. And, you know, you can talk about guys opting out, guys getting hurt, and that happens, and it's unfortunate. But it's just it, – you can't really – put your thumb on what this this team is is doing wrong because there's so many different things and I mean, it's really just every week is just an exercise in futility. It, it, there's no, I mean, you sort of at this point have become apathetic to following the team because there's nothing really to look forward to. You get a few bright spots here and there. Um, You maybe think you got some momentum coming out of that Nebraska game last week, and then all of a sudden it just kind of shoots itself in the foot. And then you go see Nebraska lose like they did to Illinois today. It makes you feel a little bit worse about yourself. So it's just kind of, just keeps coming around and and it keeps coming around in in the same sort of ways and i think that's probably the most disturbing thing is you want to get in there you want to correct those mistakes but they just keep popping up and you know once again today six turnovers including two turnovers and down so you know four conventional turnovers but still you had you know just every every sense of indication that you could prolong this game and make this a better game for a longer period of time but you know you you keep shooting yourself in the foot and that's what's going to happen Iowa today scored 24 points off conventional turnovers uh seven more off of one of those turnovers on downs and really manhandled and had their way up front on both sides of the ball so it's been it's been just uh what I say
1: earlier an exercise in futility that's uh that's Penn State football 2020 this has just been um, not even a situation where wow this team just finds way to lose it and they it's these games are so close and I can't believe they keep losing these games are you know oftentimes not as close as the scoreboard even reflects I thought it worked out that way today you know 20, 20 points for Iowa sounded about right but you know a, a 16 point loss to Maryland at home probably wasn't that close the, the 13 point loss to Ohio State at home probably wasn't that close. Uh, last year it ends up uh, last week, it ends up being a seven point game. You were down 21 at halftime. And once again, this is a, a team that they avoided that same trend where, where you give up the the opening touchdown drive and you turn it over on your first possession. And you thought, okay, you've got some, something brewing here early on in the game. Uh, the second offensive possession, you're able to, to go down and, and put together what was really a nice touchdown drive for Penn State. But that was the peak of this contest. And, and when you look at at this program and the way they have handled themselves early in matchups and what they have set up for themselves coming out uh, of the locker room at halftime. It's really been remarkable. I said it earlier, five games this year, all of them double digit halftime deficits. They've been outscored 117 to 33 in the first half this year on their home field. They've been outscored 73 to 20 before halftime this year. Uh, I know 2020 is weird and we've talked about it so much. What's it going to matter? This matters, though. I mean, they're keeping track of wins and losses. Prospects are watching you. This locker room, you wonder, moving forward, how they're going to recover from what they're experiencing right now. The coaching staff, Kirk Scirocco coming in as an offensive coordinator, Brent Pry. Year seven uh, as an assistant under James Franklin, marching the defense out there. And, of course, Franklin himself, who just 10 days ago opened up about his personal struggles. And I know right now people don't want to hear about that. I think you get to the point where you, you say, okay, what's what's the turnaround point for this team right now? Because you keep missing opportunities to do that. There, there's been a few games where you say, back against the wall, can you turn around the season? I don't think this season really gets remedied or turned around at this point. What do you have left on the schedule? You've got uh, Michigan, and that's going to be the bummer bowl up in Ann Arbor in the big house. That's two programs that are very unhappy about their circumstances, very unhappy about their current head coaches and and the direction that these teams are going here in 2020. You've got Michigan State and Rutgers ahead, um, and and those are two programs that you come into this year uh, viewing as bottom dwellers, and now the stage is set for maybe more embarrassing losses for Penn State. Is 0-8 on the table there? Uh, Maybe. I mean, it, you have to probably lean that way more than 3-5 and five at this stage. So I don't know what's salvageable for this season. And right now you're saying what's salvageable for the program's health, the overall health of the program that that, that trickles into the recruiting trail, that that just goes with the brand, goes with the logo. You're, you're already locked in the, the first, losing pro, uh, first losing season since 2004. You're just not looking impressive in any fashion. And it's pretty easy right now to point to Penn State as one of, if not the, biggest disappointment in college football for 2020. It's a year where people are going to throw a lot out the window. But Penn State has become a punchline right now, and it's been a long time since they've been a punchline. And and James Franklin has taken great pride in delivering the program to where it was coming off of that Cotton Bowl win last year and where we thought the, the launch pad might be for this 2020 team To see how it is now, you're not going to have a win before Thanksgiving 2020. It's been 357 days since your last Big Ten victory period. Um, This is just startling. um, And and I really don't know where you're going to kind of stop the bleeding. And I don't know if a win over any of these three remaining teams is going to send any kind of definitive message that things are okay or things are getting better. It's going to take more than that to recover from this hole.
2: Well, it wouldn't I mean, it wouldn't make anybody feel any better about what they've watched the first five weeks of the season. I mean, even, you know, next week they go out to Michigan and Michigan looks equally as bad. And I think as we speak is losing right now at Rutgers and uh, Rutgers and Michigan State both, you know, not – Particularly good teams, but I mean, really what we're looking at here is Penn State's is, is frankly bad. And, you know, it, it's really unfortunate to say that because of where the expectations have been over the last few years. I mean, we, you know, we sat there and, and cracked on the, the Citrus Bowl loss to Kentucky as a low point. Now all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're looking staring 0 6 in the face with a trip to Ann Arbor. I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a pretty, Stark free fall right there. So it's it's obviously been a dud of the year. You know the biggest dud of the college football season. Um, You know you get some slack with the with the 2020 COVID all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I mean there's some disturbing trends that you've seen. And really it's just again the same thing over and over again. Last week we did our key stats piece when we talked about uh, you know what were what was really holding Penn State back. And if you go down that checklist for this game today, which I, I sat down and did after the game, it's just more of the same. So they Penn State, I mean let's do the checklist now. You, know, you got 3 points on the first drive. I mean that's been sort of the constant for for everything outside of that Indiana game. You know, 3 points is is better than 7, so call it an improvement, but still you can't let the other team on the on the board that quickly. Um 24 to 7 at halftime. I mean, we appreciate the branding and the uh you know the 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 shout out there, but we would rather not see these. I mean you look at Penn State's uh, last 5 games what they've had four seven or six points in every game so far at halftime. That's obviously not going to get done. Minus three turnover margin, more of the same in that. And it's been really on the quarterbacks. And we're going to get to the quarterbacks here in a minute. Uh, 68.4% completion percentage. That's about 10 points higher. Will Levis was 81% throwing the ball. Sean Clifford 59%, but really didn't matter all that much. 1.15 yards per carry per running backs today. I mean, you're, you're down to your fourth and fifth running back, and that's one thing. But at the same time, you're, you're not giving them a shot anyway, and game flow does not, uh, lend itself to that. You're one for one on red zone touchdowns. I think the thing to take away from that is you only got into the red zone one time today. Um, obviously pretty bad, uh, 46.6 third down stop rate, which is right on par with the season, which is not good. Now they're one and four in the field position battle. Iowa. Uh, average starting position their own 39 to Penn State's own 33, which doesn't sound like much, but once again, that's quite a bit. Iowa got the ball at the Penn State 41, the Penn State 40, the Penn State 49, the Iowa 46, and the Penn State 23. And that does not include the pick six, which was the third straight week that uh, an opponent scored a defensive touchdown against Penn State. And uh, I guess uh, you peak with no field goals kicked. Uh, you did miss a, p- a point after touchdown, but they remain five of 10 on the season. So just
1: kind of wanted to go rapid fire there with all the uh, the gut shots. A lot of numbers there. And, and that extra point that was kicked, I was surprised that was kicked. This was a team that I think it was about four minutes on the dot left in the third quarter, uh, trailing by 18 points. And they rolled out Pintegar for the extra point attempt. Um, rather than going for a two-point conversion when, when that would have given the, the team a two-possession two deficit. Um, and this was an offense at the time. You put in Sean Clifford where I don't think you were taking anything for granted, thinking you could have three scoring drives over the course of the final 19 minutes of the game. And that was one of the more puzzling decisions. And, and I think you can probably stack them up in different orders. And the analytics people will have certain views on this. And you know, passionate Penn State fans will have certainly different views on, on a lot of it. But... The one that I go back to was late in the first half, Sean, to me was a major turning point. Um, Penn State had the ball at their own 49-yard line, I believe it was, on a fourth and two situation, Uh, and they opted to go for that with less than a minute to go. We spoke with, with uh, David Eichel, uh, Iowa's uh, Iowa analyst for Twenty Four Seven Sports on our pregame show, and he detailed, you know, a lot—not a lot of trust with Spencer Petrus. Uh, th- like it just seemed to me, if you give them the ball, pin them inside their own 15, 10 ten-yard line there, that they're not going to try to like create something with fifty seconds to go in the first half. They're probably going to take the knee. Iowa knows they're getting the ball. Uh, to start the second half, and so you would go in a halftime trailing, but 17 to seven. Instead, they go for it on fourth down. Um, it gets stuffed and, and it ends up being a touchdown drive that, that makes it 24 to 7 deficit. And they did stop Iowa coming out in the second half, but that was really set up for disaster with the last possession first possession situation for Iowa. That play showed desperation. We saw a couple turnover on down situations at midfield. That was the first. Um, another ended with with Levis throwing the ball. Um, to, to basically no one in particular, and you know, you tack on that touchdown. That's thirty plus points produced by Iowa on situations where Penn State either fumbled, intercepted, or went for it on fourth downs. James Franklin said he was trying to find some infusion, um, some momentum for this offense. And I mean, th- th- if that's the reason that you're doing this, th- then it just makes you wonder: Why does it always seem like the offense requires a shot in the arm? Every single game, whether it's you're making a quarterback move because you need a shot in the arm, or you're going for it on on fourth down in your own territory in multiple games here, because you feel like you can establish some momentum, and those things don't work out. Why? I mean, we're we're, we're five games into this thing. Is this Kirk Charaka's offense? Is this James Franklin's offense? Is is there micromanagement going on? That's the biggest thing to me about the offensive attack. Is we're more than halfway through the season now. Kirk Shiraka was a huge addition. We've seen it now with two starting quarterbacks, Will Levis today, Sean Clifford, the previous four, Sean Clifford again today. And at no point have I looked at this and said, this is definitely a better product than what we saw Ricky Ronnie produce during the last couple of years. And 2020 pandemic situation, I get it. That stuff piles up. But to me, the talent level that Penn State has accrued, uh, the, the, the 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 minds that we think they have on the offensive staff now, that has just not come to fruition in any way, shape, or form, and it's gotten to the point where Franklin is trying to self-manufacture ways that don't even involve uh, the offensive execution uh, just in order to, to give them a shot in the arm, give them some confidence. It's it's unfortunate to see that they can't manufacture their own confidence by by driving down the field. Scoring touchdowns, avoiding mistakes, um, getting vertical a bit. The the Levis thing, it was kind of what I said. The sparks often don't last into that second game. You get the spark off the bench. Very rare do you see that continue into the next game. We didn't see it today. It it, it really wasn't a pretty sight to watch Will Levis. I know the completion was nice, two incompletions in the first half. But there was just really no element of this offense that you said, wow, it's taking a step forward. And we're half. We're more than halfway through this season now. Have not seen the step forward from the offense. The defensive progress has been stagnant at best, um, and that's all just alarming. When 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 we talk about the 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 quarterbacks play and that not coming through the coaches have been a real letdown and and they're the ones who get paid a ton of money these it's tough for everybody uh, but the, the i have a lot more sympathy for the players and what they're dealing with with 2020 versus the coaches and what they're dealing with in 2020 um and just it's it's i i don't get it i don't understand how kirk shiraka in this in this year has not been able to develop a plan that doesn't require a desperation move in the second quarter i, yeah. I just don't understand how it gets to that point I mean it
2: it's it's tough to kind of comprehend anything like that because you you know you want to talk about okay this doesn't look like the offense that we saw at Minnesota and okay I get that you know you didn't have time to put in your offense you're doing it over zoom whatever but still I mean you know who's on the field you know the personnel you know what your opponent does you know that Iowa's Front four, very good. Their front seven kind of handled some things, uh, especially with Penn State's run game. But, you know, you've got that, the, those situations that you brought up before, third and two, you hand it to Keziah Holmes, who nobody's going to mistake for a guy that's going to chew up tough yardage. Um, and then you get Will Levis with a, a run that everybody saw coming. I mean, this is obvious. You know, this was your, your guy that you were going to pound it with. This was basically your fullback. And, you know, it, when you man handled up front. You can't do that on, on – I mean, it's like – it's kind of like this – it's insanity because you look at last week with the red zone. OK, everything gets tighter. Those windows get tighter. Well, that happens on fourth and one against a good front seven. You know, everything gets tighter. You got to figure that stuff out, especially when your offensive line is not giving you what you hope they give them. So you go to that, and then you, you do a couple drives later. And by the way, I think you got your drives flipped uh, when you're talking about a couple, um, uh, a couple minutes ago with the fourth and one. But you hand it to Holmes again on third and one. He doesn't get it. He loses a yard. Then you throw a fade up the sideline to Jahan Dotson. Low percentage ball on fourth down, near midfield. Iowa gets the ball, goes down, scores 24-7 to at halftime. I mean, this is just it, – it's unbelievable to me. Just to see these same things play out over and over again. And, you know, just you you like some of the stuff they did with, I I like some of the stuff they did with Will Evison there. I mean, you, you had easy throws. You, you know, you act like you were watching Penn State's defense because you had that little throw to the sideline that seemed to be open for seven or eight yards and move the sticks. And and that was great. But at the same time, you just keep seeing the same things and you know what personnel you have out there. You're not going to change that personnel. You, you, you know, you, you, you seem to be calling. I would say conservative, but I would also say scared because of your quarterback play, which, you know, granted, what we've seen this year kind of would make you scared to call a, a, an aggressive game. Uh, but, man, it's just the same thing over and over again. To me, you're right. I think it's a lot of that's on the, on the coaching staff. But once again, the quarterbacks come into play here.
1: These, co- these players, you know, we're, <laughs> I really appreciate the, you know, they they come in with a lot of maturity for the most part in these post game interviews, and and these are post game interviews right now at zero and five that none of these young men want to be a part of, and and you know we don't want to be asking these questions right now. We didn't envision this turning out this way guess what? We haven't talked to Kirk Sciarocca since late September. We haven't talked to Brent Pry since late September. We've talked to Jahan Dotson and Jesse Luqueta probably six, seven, eight times a piece since then. So a lot of the microscope and the focus is always on these players, but these coaches who are making a ton of money, it's their job to, to, to ultimately you lose journey Brown, you lose Noah Kane, you lose Pat Fryer. the hits keep on coming. You lose Micah Parsons. I get that. But you've got the stable of, of, of talent that a lot of programs across the country would appreciate where your third and fourth guys um, would, be, would be held in much higher esteem on a lot of different rosters across FBS football. And it's your job to put them in a position to be successful. And when you consistently are falling behind in games and consistently making some desperation calls and consistently turning the ball over... There is blame to go around. You don't get to 0-5 if, if, if you only have coaching struggles or you only have player struggles. There's an unhappy marriage that results in, in this kind of a season. Um, but you know, look, you, you have the 3rd and 1, and, and you're doing a pitch out from Will Levis in his first career start. Down by ten, and you're uh, at that point they're down ten uh, seven, I think, in the game. Uh, and, and third and one, you're going horizontal with a guy who who can lunge ahead and 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 go get those tough yards, and then he's pitching the ball to a true freshman. Um, you know that that that's a situation where you know I don't know if that's a high percentage play, and it ends up with the ball on the ground, a turnover, and Iowa goes goes and scores and makes it 17-7. And then you're right, I did have it crossed up. Penn State has that ensuing possession um, where they actually go for it on fourth down at the Iowa 39-yard line. And Will Levis, this is like the most predictable play call, and this is kind of what, you know, I get it. I, I think that this is a better, probably a better play call than trying to, to pull off a pitch to Keziah Holmes and going horizontal. But when's the last time this Penn State team, I can't recall it really this year, where they, well, you knew they were going to run. You, you knew they were going to run, and they got stopped. When's the last time an opposing defense didn't stop Penn State in a, like an obvious run situation, an obvious short yarded situation? It's been very rare. Uh, you <laughs> fourth, know, I, I had a
2: fourth quarter of the Indiana game, but that's beside the point,
1: <laughs> right? You've, I mean, oh, she's there, and I mean, it's it's just you know to me th- that goes to the offensive line th- that goes to that goes. I, I, you have to tie in the play calling there, but at the end of the day. Penn State has not been able to assert its will in really any of these contests outside of, of, of some nice flashes in the first game. You just, you've just you seen them play like a program that is kind of like like they look like they're supposed to be losing out there. Like they, they, they look like they're where they belong in these games because you just don't see them asserting their will. You don't see them kind of giving you a reason to give them the benefit of the doubt, and that's slowly gone out the window over the course of this year. And it's just all these different instances, whether it's Will Levis getting absolutely stuffed on that fourth and one um, that leads to an Iowa punt. But then on the very next series uh, on fourth and two from from the 49 yard line, Will Levis is is throwing a fade toward the toward the sideline to Jahan Dotson after Keziah Holmes has a one yard uh, one yard loss on a run. So it's just, you're not seeing physical football and, and you're not seeing really finesse football played well either. And then defensively right now, um, Iowa was able to really do what they do. They had 180 yards about between Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent, three touchdowns between the two of them. Uh, they protected Spencer Petrus to the point where he wasn't going to have to to be the end all be all for that offense, but he did make some, some nice throws. He had a touchdown run toward the end of this game. I think when you look at this, Penn State didn't have a single running back reach double digits in, in rushing yards. Yeah, Keziah Holmes, eight yards on six carries. Kevon Lee, six yards on four carries. And, and Devin Ford in limited action, two yards on three carries. We didn't see him. I, cu- I couldn't find him with binoculars on the sideline. Don't know what his status is. He Add him to the list of players who are unavailable tonight. And as we said, no Pat Friermuth tonight. No Pat Friermuth the rest of the way. Um, Jahan Dotson had his game. But, but Sean, it's like... Uh, 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 this Penn State team looks like they are one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, and maybe they have looked like that the whole way, and I've been kind of, you know, uh, putting the shine of the preseason expectations on and everything we heard from the coaching staff and everything we heard from the players and everything we thought we knew about this program coming in from 2019 into 2020. You know, maybe that shine has worn off, and I'm seeing kind of the the, the product that maybe – objectively should have been seen throughout the season because things have not gotten any better.
2: Well, you look at how they started and they should have beaten Indiana. And, you know, we still feel that they you know, were at least right there. And Indiana played, obviously, Ohio State tough today. They didn't play with Ohio State in week two, but a 15 point loss to Ohio State is better than most fair against those guys. Um, fell apart against Maryland, obviously fell apart in the first half against Nebraska, couldn't come back. So there's been glimpses of life there, but Today, it just didn't really. You didn't really see. I mean, maybe that first touchdown drive. They they strung together some nice things, and Levis did some some good things as a ball carrier. And uh, you know, thirteen or sixteen passing is fine. One hundred and six yards, okay, that's maybe not that great, I mean, but still, you're you're doing. You're keeping the ball out of the other team's hands, which is, let's be honest, very low bar for Penn State at, at quarterback this year. And they're still not getting there, and that's uh, that's kind of crazy to think about that. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just been. Uh, whatever hope that they may have you know had momentum coming out of Nebraska or okay you got you got past the hardest part of your schedule in Indiana and, and Ohio State you know all that stuff's gone and and, and you know it's time to you know, figure out some different things. Whether it's a different, you know, they've already tried a different thing, a different guy at quarterback. Trying some different combinations on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're just kind of grasping at straws right now, and that's really the way it is more than anything. It's not. Uh, I don't think there's anything walking through that door that's specifically going to save you, and and really just kind of got got to gut it out for the rest of the year and sort of take your lumps and go with it.
1: We saw that, that touchdown drive, and it was a, a nice, well-put-together touchdown. You thought, okay, Penn State sure could use more of this, and and, and that's kind of what, man, you'd love to see a, a replication of that drive over and over and over again. Instead, here's what you got after that drive uh, for the touchdown, Sean. You had a three and out from Penn State. You had a fumble that led to Iowa's touchdown. You had a turnover on downs. You had another turnover on downs that led to Iowa's touchdown right before the half. You got the ball. You, you took a knee. You went to, uh, to, to the locker room at halftime. You came back. Fumbled the ball again, which led to an Iowa touchdown. 30-plus points again off of these turnovers. Combined interceptions, fumbles, turnovers on downs. That's another one. And then three and out, which at that point, we're, we're talking about midway through the third quarter about, Penn State had 159 total yards. They had about half of those yards on that one touchdown possession. And then... Sean Clifford came back in, and we'll pick it up there when we come back from the break because plot twist, Clifford showed up, and for a moment there, looked like he was about to spin a story uh, that that we did not see coming, no one saw coming, and ended up looking like more of the same from 2020, though, by the end of it. Stay with us right here on the Lions 24-7 postgame podcast as we work our way through this Penn State-Iowa matchup.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news—
1: Will Levis got the start today. We were watching closely from the press box. Quarterbacks came out, warmed up, taking snaps. Sean Clifford and Will Levis at first ultimately broke into some team warm-ups, and it was Will Levis, and then he was announced as the starting quarterback. And this is kind of the way we thought it would go. We didn't think we'd get a public confirmation, and we thought we'd learn with everybody else in Beaver Stadium. And that's what happened. And again, second possession, go down and score a touchdown. But then two Levis turnovers later and also just a string of ineffectiveness from the offense where they would reach midfield and sputter or they'd have to punt the ball on a three and out. Um, the turnovers, Franklin said, led us to seeing a guy who has been defined by turnovers in 2020 He said, well, the point of putting Levis in there was to try to alleviate some of those turnover issues. And then they cropped up again. So went with Sean Clifford and Sean showed up and it was the 2018 version of Sean Clifford, Mr. Fitz. It was all he does is throw touchdowns first two passes, put Four, put 13 or no 14 points on the board uh the makes the extra point but then you get a two-point conversion his first three passes reached the end zone let's put it that way a touchdown to Brenton Strange a touchdown on a bomb to Jahan Dotson and then a two-point conversion throw on a screenplay to, to, to Kevon Lee and all of a sudden whoa this is this is a 10-point game it, it, Penn State's got life and it's because of Sean Clifford Okay, plot twist, and uh, and it was fun for, for about 15, 20 minutes. Everyone's starting to think, are we seeing some kind of a storybook chapter being built by number 14? Well, uh, unfortunately, waiting
2: for Penn State fans was the Sean Clifford experience because he played, what, about a quarter and a half? Not even. I mean, it was four minutes and change when he came into the game and threw that first touchdown pass. I mean, this deep ball to Jahan Dotson... As accurate as we've seen it, uh, you know, and during his career, it was a beautiful throw. I mean, give credit where credit's due. Really great, uh, effort by Jahan Dotson, but the throw was fantastic. And then, you know, you turn around and you, you kind of get a little bit t- into a little bit of a tighter game. You ask him to do a little bit, uh, a little bit more where, you know, you, you, you came out and you made those throws and a uh, fairly, uncomplicated reads, I guess I would say, just, you know, you kind of making the, the, you know, the, the double move is there. You make the pump to Brenton Strange, by the way, great effort by Brenton Strange to get into the end zone. And then you got the deep ball to Jahan, but then, you know, you, there's more, there's more involved in that. There's, you know, you know, figuring out what you need to do, uh, where your matchups are, where you need to go. I thought Penn State did a really good job in the first half with some of those easy throws, and they kind of went away um, when Clifford went in there. And I don't know if that's by design. I don't know if that's, you know, just, calling something different but that's kind of the way it ended up and that's really all that matters. Then you got some picks. You got the the short one that was deflected up in the air by the defensive lineman, then you got a pick six from another defensive lineman. Um I will say that his his picks this year for the most part have been, you know, f- uh, away from the line of scrimmage. So this was kind of a different version of the Sean Clifford show, but still the the turnovers were there. Um it unfortunately bit them once again and you know, he came back and you kind of finished off the game with that pick six. Uh, I, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, you just, uh, you just kind of got to laugh at some point and it's, it's really unfortunate to say that, but you know, Penn state couldn't get out of their own way and it's, it's coming from the quarterbacks. I mean, four more, uh, four more turnovers, I guess is it four or five more turnovers from, from,
1: uh, quarterbacks today. For today, you they credit you credit Will Levis on the pitch to to, to uh Kevon Lee. Yeah. Um and, and so the two interceptions and then the other fumble by Levis. Yeah, that's not gonna get it done. So uh, Penn State I think
2: fumbled once and got it back as well. So I mean it's uh it's it's really tough to 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 sit there and when when the quarterback position is so important in college football, you just sit there and you say, Okay, well stop giving it to the other team. <laughs> it's just like it's it it's as simple as saying that, but it's much harder to do that. And it's just like, man, same thing over and over and over again. And you know, James Franklin kind of acknowledged it in the a- afterwards. Just none of it's good enough. None of it is good enough for the expectation of this this fan base. None of it's good enough for for the expectation of these players. Even, and it's just it's really tough to to handle that because this is a a team. With enough talent to win a game, I mean, let's be honest here. The expectations have fallen so far that you just got to get past somebody. There's enough talent to win a Big Ten game on on this roster, but at the same time, if you if your quarterbacks can't put you in that position to do so, and they, you know, you keep coughing up the football, I mean, you're just going to keep shooting yourself in that same foot over and over again. Eventually, you're just you're not going to be able to walk or,
1: or anything at all. Iowa's defense came up with four turnovers in the form of touchdowns and interceptions in the final three quarters of this matchup that matches the total for Penn state uh through 20 quarters of their season right now. So four four first four four turnovers and you're giving the ball away way too much. A game in, game out. Franklin said afterward one of the first things he said was he feels like the turnovers define this game. the turnovers define this season and that conversation starts at the quarterback spot and and Sean Clifford uh it took him 144 passes I'm sorry 134 passes to throw seven interceptions this year he threw seven interceptions all of 2019 on 299 throws Um, and then 10 throws later past 144 the season was interception number eight and the one that Davion Nixon took seventy plus yards and flashed that athleticism that we heard all about from from, uh, from David Eicholt on the pregame show. Um, that defensive tackle showed out on that on that interception return. Uh, and that yeah, that's three consecutive weeks where you've Sean Clifford flailing about trying to stop a defender and watching helplessly as he runs the ball the other way for a touchdown. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it, it was, it, it did encapsulate a lot of, of kind of Sean Clifford's year, uh, maybe his career, uh, what he did in this, in this, ex, in this per- appearance. But I also wonder now, I mean, at least you could say coming out of the Nebraska game, even though you, you lost, you can say you had one confident quarterback. You had one quarterback carrying some momentum now you got two quarterbacks who are going to be internally questioning what they're doing. You've got two quarterbacks who just got benched in the last eight days. Sean Clifford's fresh off getting benched. But you could say two guys got benched in the same day. Uh, Clifford's body language, I know he's a team captain and he was bought in, but you could see pregame sitting on that bench, watching Levis go through those workouts with the first team group, helmet kind of up, uh, you know, tilted on top of his forehead, not a good experience for him, but probably one of the roughest days in his athletic career. And you think, whoa, he may turn it around here with a couple of those touchdown throws. Is he going to bring this team back? And what a story would that be? And nope, ends up kind of facing the same reality that he has dealt with throughout this uh, throughout this season and to to his own fault as well. And so I, I, I feel like you come out of this one with two quarterbacks who will be lacking confidence and the third quarterback that we've been intrigued by, Taquan Roberson, we don't know why, but he was not available today. He was not in full uniform. I don't know the the reasoning behind that. So you're thinking about true freshman Micah Bowens, who showed up to campus in the summer, a guy that we had questions about as a prospect, a three-star recruit coming into campus, and that's the next scholarship player for you. You also have Mason Stahl, um, points to you if you knew who that was, but a, a walk-on from the Pittsburgh area who's a true freshman. That's what you got right now. And if Taquan Roberson is not available moving forward for whatever reason that might be, that's what that looks like. That's troubling. It's very
2: troubling, uh, you know, especially because you're going on the road. I know Michigan looks bad, but at least they're home. And we said that about uh, Nebraska last week, and it resulted in a win for the most part for Nebraska. So, yeah, it's uh, it's troubling. It's, it's scary, especially when you don't have a running game. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback— uh, maybe you can lean on a running game and, and, and to, to Penn State's credit, they did use their backs as a sort of a, uh de, uh, de facto short passing running game today, which was nice to see. But at the same time, if you don't have a running game, you know, to take any pressure off that quarterback, you know, if that quarterback's not getting it done with no pressure or very little pressure on him, uh, it's not a great combination to have. Luckily for the offense, it wasn't just them. <laughs> the, de- the defense, uh, also Penn State's defense was not, uh, not up to par today. Um, you know, you, you can take, uh, take some of the short fields into account with the turnovers and stuff, but also plenty of bad defense, uh, soft, uh, up the middle, Iowa came out, averaged ten point eight yards per carry in the first quarter. Makai Sargent finished with fifteen carries for one hundred and one yards and two touchdowns. Tyler Goodson with twenty carries, who's kind of their bell cow guy, uh, seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Good, two two pretty good backs, and it was uh you know good to see them uh, play, but still. Uh, Matt Millen said it during the broadcast, and and when we're watching these games, Tyler, you and Marker at the stadium, I'm watching at home on the broadcast because we only have uh, we have limited access this year, uh, given credentials. Matt Millen said it's the worst tackling Penn State team that he has seen uh, since he's been watching. Since I think he said the '60s, uh, tough to dig- tough to disagree. It's uh, it's really it's really tough to watch that because it's at all three levels. Uh, you know the defensive line. Uh, especially the defensive ends I thought were okay today um, but soft of the middle the linebackers continue to be a liability um, and really just uh, the safeties have, have not showed up this year so it's been uh, tough to pinpoint what's going on with that defense but uh, like the offense it's been pretty well bad all the all the way across the board
1: uh, Jesse Lucchetta gonna have a hard time erasing that moment from from um, there was a, there was a few bad ones, but when he was just shaken down to the ground um, before even he didn't get a hand on the guy, he just was shaken down to the ground by a move. Um, it Was that Tyler Goodson on, on his way to the end zone? Uh, may have been Makai Sargent. I, I apologize to, to either one of those guys. This it, it kind of got caught up here, um, but. Jesse Lucchetta, that, that was a tough moment for him. Uh, that that kind of typified the performance overall. Brandon Smith goes out of the game for a bit. I was surprised we saw him back in the game because he was, you know, not putting any pressure on his on his uh, left foot, left left leg coming off the field when when he went down. So I thought. Uh-oh, here's another guy who's gonna be gone for a while. Ended up getting back in the game, but um, you know, didn't really see big moments out of him. Saw a little bit out of Curtis Jacobs today, who got some run. Charlie Catcher was not available at linebacker. To me, the probably the brightest spot of this game for the defense, and really maybe any positional group was a defensive end group. Uh, they all I you know, saw a few guys flash in their own right. Shaka Tony after some, some quiet games of late. Um, don't know if that was you know health related or not, but he came out and, and you know asserted himself early on the on the first uh, defensive series for Penn State. Um, had a couple moments. Jason Away again was able to get into the backfield. Uh, Adisa Isaac made one of his more impactful plays um, that we've seen from him uh, over the course of this 2020 year. Um, but I think this is a question I posed to you last week. If it, if it isn't, I'm posing it to you now because it's come to my mind, and I and I feel like five games in to this Penn State season who's your defensive MVP for Penn State? And, and, and it's just, to me, that question and, and what you think of after you digest the question a bit, Tells you a lot about where this defense is.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to pinpoint. I mean, I guess you go with Tony. It's it's interesting because the answer, one of the answers, could be Jason Away because Jason Away has has played better than the stats show. But at the same time, y- you want some stats to go with that. And I know that you know it's uh, you're not always going to get home as a defensive end. But uh, yeah, I mean that's really kind of where you're at with those guys. Is you know Sh- Shaka did a nice job today getting home and also playing the run. But at the same time, I mean you just need more consistency across the board and you miss your game breaker with uh with Micah Parsons not out there and you know how much did Micah Parsons mask with those other linebackers I know it's different guys out there obviously but like you know how much did he mean to this defense and it's 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 really tough to to sort of sit back and watch especially when we talk about the talent in the linebacker room but you've got Ellis Brooks out there who seems to be Fairly well overwhelmed and, and Lucetta beside him. And, and when you put those guys together, and I think this is something we said in the preseason when talking about our, our, our worries about the unit is it's a pretty slow defense. And that's just from top to bottom. Uh, all the way across the board, you, you're you're looking for speed there, and you're looking for something. I mean, you, you know, you got Keaton Ellis and Joey Porter; they run very well in corners, but you know, corners really haven't been tested. And, and I would put them with defensive ends in terms of bright spots. But I mean, it's just like yeah, all over the place, especially up the middle. Uh, Brooks and lucetta not getting there fast enough. Uh, the safeties as well, Wade and Brisker not getting there fast enough. Uh, Brisker out there dropping a pick today. That's just uh, that can't happen when you're a team that's this bad. You can't let options or opportunities like that go. And this defense has not been an opportunistic group. I mean, should they they hopped on a fumble that was kind of gift wrap for them, but uh, that's just uh, this is the way that they've played over the first five weeks is you, you, you were hoping to see something more aggressive. You were hoping to see something more opportunistic and you really haven't gotten either of them.
1: You got two guys here who have two sacks or more through five games. Assuming this Penn State stat sheet is correct, it's been updated in the past hour or so. Shaka with four sacks. Brandon Smith with two sacks. I do want to note... Jason Owe uh, not getting home at the quarterback, and the Indiana game was the perfect example of that. He had a bunch of potential pressures and a bunch of, a bunch of opportunities at Penix didn't quite get there. The last three weeks, though, Sean, I just took a look. He is actually producing in the box score. He's got 25 tackles, including five for loss over the last three weeks, and I think Jason Owe is one of the few guys, and Jahan Dotson's the obvious one, but I feel like he's one of the few draft-eligible players that uh, is helping uh, slash not hurting his draft stock based on how things have played out over this season, whether it's health related or performance related. That's kind of a factor here that, that is unfortunate as well. I don't see a lot of Penn State players out in the field helping themselves professionally for what awaits, helping themselves financially for what awaits. Uh, They've got a little bit more room here, but that kind of ties into the underwhelming nature of this entire Penn State team. There just has not been a lot of uh, individual dominant performances. and, And unfortunately, there hasn't been, you know, even if you lose a game and you say, man, the offense played tremendously, but the defense just couldn't keep the opponent off the field or the defense played lights out buried the opponent and the offense just totally crapped the bed and put couldn't put up you know the the 20 points that were necessary to win this football game it hasn't been like it's been consistently the def the, the the opponent is scoring 30 plus points and Penn State is is failing to, to sniff 30 points and and that's been like a repeated issue for this program. You look at now uh five games and, and we only know eight games on the schedule. There's supposed to be a ninth game that I'm sure everyone's thrilled about uh the crossover matchup in the Big Ten championship week. Um, but you give up 36 you score 35 in week one that that we keep saying that's the most competitive we've seen Penn State but you give up 38 you give up 35 you give up 30 you give up 41 a lot of those before halftime along the way the most points you scored is 25 points in a game Sean which was against Ohio State uh, and and those were later in the contest and, and you get to 19 against Maryland because of some garbage time drive late um, and then Iowa 21 41 here It just, it's, yeah, it hasn't been any kind of game where you're like half the team played tremendously. The other half was like kind of a letdown and that prevented them from winning the last four weeks. It has consistently been a shared kind of responsibility deal, but I continue to go back to the inability for, for points to be manufactured by Penn state with, with the talent we think they have, you know, no journey, no, Noah, no Pat that hurts you, but the offensive line has been healthy. And I guess we, we, we probably given them a pass with the conversation today, they did not assert themselves. They did not take a step forward. We, we, they did not even stay where they were against Nebraska, which was probably the best we had seen them this year. That can t- I mean, that is just uh, to me t- to go into this game where you know that you need to establish the ground game, given what we think about Will Levis as a passer. Um, just 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 unable to do it. And, and really, there was there was several times when it was short yardage situations where whoever had the ball before they could even make a football move they were trying to avoid a defender in their face. Now, that's you can blame some of that on the schematics and, and maybe not having guys in the right position and not having the right blocker assigned to the correct defender and having guys prepared there. Or you can blame the, the nature of those who are doing the physical labor on the football field. And is that up to par? Um, just a lot of questions. And, and really, no one gets a, gets a pass in this situation, unfortunately. I, you just don't really look at a spot in the field and say, they're getting the job done in such a way that everyone else can can, can kind of, you know, take the blame here. It's just the offensive line. You don't like what you're seeing quarterback play. You don't like what you're seeing running back room is completely decimated. And without Devin Ford out there today, it's tough to give a long read on them, but really I, you know, there's just not a lot of things coming out of this game compared to Nebraska, which we said, okay, look at this, look at that. You're seeing some strides. They're going 0-5 right now, and again, I, I even the three games they have laid out ahead of them, and none of those teams are world beaters, and in fact, you'd think they were bottom dwellers the last couple. Nothing looks guaranteed in the win column for Penn State, and, and that is so alarming when this is a roster that features... The components of back-to-back top ten nationally ranked recruiting classes.
2: Yeah, it's just a whole lot of suck, is what you're saying. <laughs> just you're, to, you nailed now, it. I'm a little more concise than you. Uh, you are. But it's it's been bad. And the the point before your last one, I I, I gotta say, the, you you strive for complimentary football, and that's something that they've done fairly well over the last couple of years you're not even getting that drive to drive right now. And it's just been, you know, okay, the defense got a, th- a great three and out to start. Was it to start the second half or something like that? You know, or, or even I think it might have been the second or first quarter. Great three and out. Okay, get the ball back and you, you hand it right back to him basically. And it's just like this is the kind of thing that we've been seeing all season. It just hasn't remedied itself. And I, I don't know if it, if it actually remedies itself or if you got to put those fixes in to, to do what it has to do. But I, it's just like – it's it's so frustrating to watch this team because there's no flow to it whatsoever. I mean, sure, Clifford came in and threw two touchdowns on his first two passes, but it's just kind of, okay, where do you go from here? And Unfortunately, you're in a spot where two touchdowns get you uh, back to within what uh, two scores. I mean, that's that's kind of where you put yourself. So I I hate to pin it all on the defense because they've been putting some really crappy spots this year based off of the turnovers. But it's just okay. You know, sometimes you need a stop. Sometimes you need uh, just to to, to to take some time off the clock on the other side of the ball. It's just none of that has played in well to what the other team or the other side of the football has done. And honestly, you, you're sensing a lot of that frustration. We talked to some players in the post game. I, I think you asked or somebody asked, uh, Shaka Tony about quarterbacks and he I did. did not take kindly to that. No, he did. Um, so, so in another call, someone asked Lamont Wade about quarterbacks. He's like, I'm not a coach. I don't make those decisions. Uh, that's a tinge of frustration coming through there. So, I mean, it just goes back to, 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 what I said. I mean, if you don't have a quarterback that, and, and your team and your offense is so, um, Uh, So built around getting that quarterback to make you the plays, or to get you into the end zone to make you the plays, it's going to wear on everybody. And we, I think we've seen that in the last couple of weeks, where you know Penn State, or I guess the last month of the season, all five games for that matter, where Penn State's quarterback situation has sort of rubbed off on everybody around them, and and everybody's frustrated now.
1: And again, I want to point out, we've been talking about a lot of of these players and we're not seeing the game changers, you know, outside Jahan Dotson, who's really changing games at this point for Penn State on the football field on either side of the football, even on special teams right now, you're not seeing uh, someone providing that. Um, But It comes back to the coaches. Again, Shaka Tony, hey, it's okay to be frustrated. If you don't want to talk about, uh, you know, the way I phrased it, I said, hey, you've had Trace McSorley to start your career. You had Sean Clifford last year. You thought you had stability at that position. His whole career, he's in year five. They've had seemingly some stability at quarterback. Once James Franklin found his starting quarterback and named that guy, that's up in the air right now. And Shaka was a bit, uh, I just, I think he felt like it wasn't the time to have that conversation. He wasn't the guy to be talking to it about and I get that. I understand the frustration. And this is probably the third or fourth time we've had Shaka Tony having to answer difficult questions after games. And it has been what uh, we—it's been five losses since we talked to Brent Pry. I mean, when we last talked to Brent Pry, this team hadn't lost since its uh, trip to Columbus last November. So you know, the coaches—they are in the spotlight here, and, and they're getting talked about. But they're not having to step up and answer the questions, big picture questions. And because you know you might get a defensive guy, and, and, and these Zoom calls are tricky. You try to hop in a call and get a question in. You sometimes you got to ask a defensive guy about an offensive guy. You got to ask uh, you know a, a player coming off a solid game in his own right about overarching program issues. Because we're getting James Franklin. Those are brief. The answers are not going to be super informative. And then we get the players and and you know we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get Brent Pry, maybe we'll get Kirk Shiraka. But Kirk Shiraka has not spoken to the Penn State media, not because he declined it, just because he has not been made available to speak to the Penn State Media since his job really got underway, which is coaching in football games. So he hasn't had an answer. Last time we talked to him, it was all you know, kind of like what this offense could be and what it's going to be if it's working. And it hasn't been about the struggles. And so for Shaka Tony to be having to, to answer about the offensive struggles, I understand where that frustration would come in. There's frustration on the media's end right now. There's frustration on the fans' end. There's frustration on the players' end. And coming back to Franklin here, I know he is frustrated, but there's certain decisions where, you know, it it makes it easy to be frustrated with what James Franklin is doing at times. And I don't know what you felt about this. It was a fourth and 17, Sean, this was one I didn't want to wrap up the podcast without addressing. It was a fourth and seventeen spot with with three nineteen to go in the game. Penn State was at their own forty two yard line. Um, now the the down and distance, I'm sorry, the distance to gain to pick up the first down was much different than that end of the second uh, second quarter when you went for it in your own territory. That was a fourth and two versus a fourth and seventeen, but that seemed like a chance to to bury Penn, to bury Iowa, have them take a knee. or or try to come up with something, but you probably get to the locker room down 17-7. This is a spot where you need 13 points, and you have about three minutes to get those points, and you're giving the ball back to Iowa, a team that has run pretty well against you. Um, What did you think about that decision? At the end of the day, they lost their three timeouts because they had to burn them to stop the clock, but they, they really, I think, they ended up getting like 16 yards forward down the field, and they lost about 25 seconds because Iowa ran a few plays but had to punt it back. But I feel like a lot of people who are saying Franklin's doesn't have the edge this year, they feel like the team may be quitting or folding in on itself. That was a moment that a lot of people pointed to and said, what are we doing here? Try to pick up 18 yards, try to sustain a drive, because you give the ball to Iowa, you may not get it back, and you're just kind of putting the tail between your legs and walking towards 0-5.
2: And it, i have a tough time saying that you know it's completely throwing in the towel because let's be honest, this offense was probably not gonna get a fourth and seventeen. But at 0-4, I mean, you kinda gotta take that chance or take it with it. I mean, you're you've got your down two scores. Um, you know, they mathematically it worked out for them. They, you know, they used their timeouts, they got the ball back pretty quickly, that's fine. But, you know, I, I think we're done playing math right now. It's a, it's not uh it's not really the situation that you see yourself in. So I I, I mean I get why they did it and it did work out from, from what they were trying to do. But, you know, if you want to show some fight, if you want to show your players and your fans or whatever, that, you know, you're still in this to win this, then you know, maybe maybe go for it there. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I had a bigger issue with the one in the first half where you're, you're fourth and two and you throw that fade down the sideline. But yeah, I agree. It's a, you know, it's a mentality thing and it's, and it, it was not really what you wanted to see out of your team. If you're still trying to convince your fans that you're, that you're fighting for this, uh, for this season.
1: If the reasoning for taking that risk, and it was a big risk in the second quarter to go for it on fourth down at midfield like that, if the reasoning there was to, to try to stir up some confidence from your offense and carry that forward – to me, I mean, saying, hey, we'd rather just give the ball back to Iowa, a team that continues to run on us. we we haven't been able to tackle them. Uh, we're down by 13. there's three minutes to go to say we'll take our shot and give the ball back to them and maybe stop them and and run some clock and then we'll then we'll have the confidence in this offense to coordinate two touchdown drives. I just think it's it's kind of just juxtaposed uh, if you're if you're thinking that one way in the second quarter, thinking that one way. And I'm just basically saying, That's where you open yourself up to mounting frustration from the fan base regarding James Franklin and and just people wondering what's going on out there. Um, Again, there's not a lot of clarity on, on what the offensive transition has looked like. I asked about that. Through five games with Kirk Charaka, you've seen him work with two quarterbacks. Um, what what you know? What's your evaluation? Have you seen any forward strides made, and where are they? And Franklin is you know, whenever asked specifically about a, a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator on a few occasions this year after your games, he just says not playing well enough in all three phases. And I understand that why he would answer that way as as the CEO of the team, uh, but it doesn't do anything for to alleviate the the the, uh, the the anger, the rage that I see brewing among fans out. there there. And, um, you know, it's, it's just not a lot of fun right now for anybody. It's not a lot of fun. And this was a season that I think a lot of people were excited to look at as, um, kind of a distraction from everything else going on in 2020 and, and and get into some football. And there was a lot of appreciation for getting to play football. And now five games into this thing, it's just turned into a nightmare. It's turned into an absolute nightmare. And you're just now trying to see what the ramifications may be moving forward. Um, and, and, and game after game after game, uh, that starts to become a greater worry. I said after the Maryland Maryland loss, hey, let's see what 2020 means long-term. The performance hasn't gotten much better from Penn State. The quarterback's become increasingly a, a question mark. And, and here we are w- without any other answers and, and three games left on the board. Um, and it's just, you, you do wonder how much of this seeps in, how much of this poisons the well. For what you want to accomplish as the Penn State football program in 2021 and beyond. Yeah. And on top of that, it sounds like
2: Michigan may have found uh, a bit of a quarterback in Cade McNamara uh, when he's guiding them to a comeback at Rutgers as we speak. So, uh, it's, uh, it's not all looking, uh, not all looking great for next weekend either. Um, bright spots here though. We do like to, to cover the the good here. Jahan Dotson, man, he's been lights out. Um, you know, when they've needed him eight catches, one thirty nine, and a touchdown, he's doing it in different ways. He's doing it as a, you know, a receiver near the line of scrimmage. And we kind of knew he could do that, but he's also getting down the field and, you know, had the big touchdown today. So, uh, you know, it, it, while it Looks like some other guys have quit. Jahan Dotson, Dotson certainly hasn't. Also had a good couple of uh, punt returns. I tell you what, it would be one of the all-time wastes of a great season if if Dotson were to have a great year this year and then decide that you know he, he is draft eligible, decide that he wants to go pro uh, because that would be just an, uh, just a huge. Uh, for nothing (laughs) type season. And that's really unfortunate to say, to put it in that perspective, but, uh, man, he's, he's been good this year, even when others haven't. So that's good to see behind him. Five of the top six receivers in this game were freshman eligible. Uh, plus, uh, Keandre Lambert Smith did not have a catch. He did start Keion, Kevon Lee had six catches for 41 yards. Brenton Strange three for thirty eight and a touchdown. Theo Johnson had his first two catches, so you got some youth in there in your uh, in your skill positions. Obviously, um, you know getting them the ball has still been an issue, but uh, for the most part, we've we've been fairly pleased with the play of the wide receivers and you know the tight ends. Without Pat Vermette, is going to be a work in progress, and we'll see what they have to put up. Um, As we mentioned earlier, Shakatoni and the defensive ends played well. Adisa Isaac had a sack. Jason Away had a, a tackle for loss. Even Shane Simmons got in the act with a tackle for loss corners were fine uh Curtis Jacobs I thought uh, flashed a couple of times fewer penalties today which we talk about those key stats and the turnovers and the you know the winning the field position battle etc penalty I think they only had two penalties today and I thought Jordan Stout uh, outside of that PAT uh, really, really bad hold on the PAT. Punted the ball well, kicked the ball off well. So those are your bright spots. They're few and far between, but uh, there are still things to, to to come away feeling
1: positive about. I guess Penn State has been bowled over in Beaver Stadium this year in their three matchups. But here, are Jahan Dotson's performances in those three games: eight for one forty-four and three touchdowns against Ohio State; nine for one twenty-three and a touchdown against Maryland; and then tonight, eight for one thirty-nine and a touchdown against Iowa. The young man is making himself some money, and he is—he's uh, making Taylor Stubblefield uh, look pretty good along the way as well. Huge breakout season for Jahan Dotson, and it felt like maybe that was the missing component. If you got a breakout season out of Jahan Dotson, does that tip the scales for for Penn State being a contender? You got the big season out of Jahan Dotson, but a lot of other people didn't show up to play. A lot of the other coaches. Didn't show up ready to roll, apparently, either, as this team is 0-5, and, and Jahan Dotson is, is kind of just the, the nice outlier at this stage. The quarterback situation remains the elephant in the room. I don't even know where that conversation is going to go in the upcoming week, uh, Sean, because it's certainly not safe to assume that Will Levis is going back out there as the starter for, for a second consecutive week, and I wouldn't factor in uh, Sean Clifford as a slam dunk not either, considering the turnovers continue to be an issue. But without saquon Roberson available, I don't think this team is turning the keys over to Micah Bowen so get used to those two names for these next few games at the very least. Sean, um I always Matt, take Matt,
2: Matt one before you start yeah. Matt Millen said at the end of the game that Penn State has a QB dilemma on their hands and I just I I had to laugh at that one because it's uh it's much more than than a dilemma at this point. It's uh it's it's far beyond that.
1: And it's it's far beyond 2020 is 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 potentially the the major issue there for Penn State at the most important position in this sport. Well, it was a meandering journey with me, as always. Thanks to Sean for writing the ship and, and keeping things more succinct. But uh, we, we, we try to, to bring you live reaction as best we can coming off of, of, of these matchups. And, and you got a heavy dose of it today um, from Penn State versus Iowa. 20-point loss for the Nittany Lions, who returned to action next Saturday on the road in Ann Arbor against Michigan. That is a place that Penn State uh, has never picked up a win under James Franklin. And if they can't do it again, you're looking at 0-6 with a trip to Rutgers uh, on the horizon after that one sean anything else to add before we uh punctuate this one and uh and and do our best to stick with the theme of flushing these matchups
2: now we we will eulogize pat fairmouth another time unfortunately he's done for the season but uh yeah that's uh uh the the click the quicker we end this the better
1: and pat frymouth by the way Always one of the best guys, win or lose, to get in post-games. They missed him in post-game today. He's a guy who they can really lean on uh, from a leadership standpoint out of that locker room after games like this to say the right things, to handle it the right way. Um, that's that's another facet where fryermuth will be missed moving forward. I really enjoyed covering him. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about pat down the road like you said for now we'll step aside this is the Lions 24-7 post game podcast back with a couple more episodes in the upcoming week for Sean Fitz I'm Tyler Donahue I'm wishing you all a great weekend and the days ahead okay picture this it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it